Hello, everyone. We're here for another session of Lit Chat. I'm Bonnie. And I'm PJ. And this month, we're doing a group read, which is Frontier Grit, the Unlikely True Stories of Daring Pioneer Women by Marianne Monson. And I got to tell you, this book was really interesting. It was another one of those. It's short little snippets about 12 different pioneer women. And some of these women were just, I don't think I'd have had the frontier grit. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the funny thing about this book is it starts off really strong with uh, Nellie Cashman. She's basically going around moving town to town, looking for gold, but also making money. Well, she technically wasn't looking for gold. She was setting up restaurants and stuff in the gold towns. And and that's where she was making her money. Well, but she Rosen, she wanted to be it? she wanted to be rich. Well, yeah. Um, so I think I almost feel like she went to look for gold and then realized that that's not a necessity to get rich. That's not where the money is. Yes. <laughs> the money is taking it away from all the people who went and found it. <laughs> or at least easy money. Because, you know, right. gold is money, but it's difficult because it's hit or miss whether you're going to find it or not. In this case... There were the times, though, that there were people that were writing off these groups that were out there, and so she went and got a dog sled or whatever, and she trekked out there, and she well, found them. And that's why I'm saying that this book starts off strong because I feel like in her 70s and 80s, you find out that she's like in Alaska, dog sledding to get to like towns. And I'm like, at 70 or 80, I will not I'm gonna be, be in Alaska. I'm going to be in my little chair somewhere reading a book about some lady going to Alaska in a dog sled. I mean, kudos for her. But yeah, as soon as I read that, I was like, okay, all right. Good Sets for the you. pace for right. what's to come with the rest of the ladies. But it, it, and it's also like in all of these stories, they didn't let society's norms interfere with what they wanted to do. And I almost feel like maybe that has something to do with going to the frontier, you know? Because would these ladies have been able to do what they did if they were in towns that or cities that had already been established? I don't think so. I think that because they're out in the frontier where it's not as civilized, new towns are springing up every couple of days. And I think it's like they're allowed. You got to take go what you can norms. get. If yes. it's only a woman providing the services that you need, like one of them was a doctor. And I was like, yeah, you're out there in the middle of nowhere. You're going to take what you can get. Yeah, I feel like that's what was great about the frontier. I think that all these women that, you know, wanted to escape the home life, the usual of you get married, you take care of your kids, and you do what your man tells you to do. I think the frontier is perfect for these women that don't necessarily want that to be their lifestyle. Well, and in some cases, they were following their men and they were taking their families and then the men died. Yeah. And okay, so what am I going to do? I'm going to have to pull it together and do it myself. In some cases, it's the women rescuing the men who yes. were just awesome. Oh, I know. It was amazing, the, the different stories and 
the one in Chinatown, I thought was, that lady was going up against the mob, the Chinese mob, and she didn't back down. It was just amazing to me. I really do feel like Frontier Grit, the title, I mean, yes, each of these ladies had grit. And that's why they were able to survive. I also like about this book is, for the most part, you have, before it gets to their story, the introduction to one of the women's stories often features a picture of that woman. Right. And I think that is something that I really appreciate because I definitely like putting a face to the story. There was only one that didn't, and that was Mako Pio Pio, the one from Hawaii. They didn't have a picture of her. They just had a picture of the Hawaiian Islands, which, okay, fine. I think there was another one also that didn't have a picture. But let me tell you, um, the picture of Sitkala saw. I mean, she was a beautiful lady. Like, I loved that picture. It was such a striking picture of her. And the great thing also is I had never heard these ladies. The only two that I did somewhat know about was Mother Jones and Charlie Parkhurst. The rest of these ladies, I just honestly got lost in history because I've never known about them until I read this book. And some of them really didn't go way out of the, I mean, other than the fact that they lived on the frontier while they were doing their stuff, some of them were very womanly. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of them was an artist. She drew pictures and stuff, and that's how people found out what life was really like because of the pictures that she drew. But yes, she was living out on the frontier. I think also- the frontier life makes a lot of these women into leaders because you have Aunt Clara Brown, who was a former slave, who became a community leader. Then you have Abigail Scott Dunaway, who was a suffragette. Right. You notice in the back, it'll give you a list of the women. And then it kind of gives you like a one sentence on what that woman is known for. And you'll notice that a lot of these are like, political activists, rights activists. And I think that probably has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, it's the frontier and they witness hardships, but they also saw hardships from other people that drove them to want better for themselves and for other people. Other thing that I really liked, but I kind of had wished that there had been a little bit more of, I like the representation. You've got um, a Mexican-American talking about her journey you have Sitkala Saw, who is a Sinu writer, and she herself is an indigenous person. You have Mako Pio Pio. Anna Clara Brown, who is a black woman. Yes, Mako Pio Pio, who is the first Hawaiian, one of the first Hawaiian immigrants to settle the colony of Iosipa. So, I mean, it, it was yeah. nice that. It was a wide range. And there. Their interests were wide, wide ranging. I mean, Luenza Stanley Wilson basically started hotels all over the place. She was like, okay, I don't know how to do anything else. So I'll start a hotel and I'll let, I'll feed people and I'll charge them. And that's how she made her money. She became an entrepreneur by doing what she could do. Like, I can cook, I can clean, I can make beds. I can't really go out and 
dig for gold. Yeah. I was a little amazed by the struggle of like how people could, even though you own the land, if you left that land and someone came and settled on your land and built a structure, then you couldn't kick them out. But part of that was because it was still under controversial who really owns the land. Is it the United States or is it Mexico? Yeah. Or is it somebody else entirely? So that particular thing you were talking about, nobody knew who really owned the land. And just because you said it was yours, and didn't necessarily make it yours. And if your husband died, you know, oh, God it was forbid. harder for women to be able to keep that land. Well, because let's face it, until quite recently, and I say that, you know, facetiously, recently being 100 or so years ago, women were not even allowed to own property. Yeah. I, I think into the early 1900s, women couldn't own their own property. So I don't know. You'd, you'd have to, like, research that a little more. But I know it, it hasn't really been that long. Yeah. That it was all male-owned. And that was one of the things about these frontier women, too, was that they went out there and they did this stuff and they basically took ownership of these things just because they were the ones doing it. Yeah. You know, I can't see myself doing it. I wasn't thrown into the situations that these women were yes. thrown into. I would like to think that maybe I would rise above. <laughs> but I can't. I, I can't. Reading their stories, I can't picture myself doing what these women did to survive. I just can't picture it. And part of that is obviously how I grew up. We weren't rich, but we had a roof over our head. We had food on the table. You know, I had clothes to wear. I don't know, because quite honestly, I feel like I feel like there's something about the need to survive. Now, would I willingly have gone? to California without it necessarily belonging to the United States or not even being like, like, would I have gone to the Western frontier? No, not by choice. I would probably be like, I want to stay with my family. I want to stay with my friends. I want to stay, you know, stay in my house, have that support system because these women didn't really have a support system. Their husband died and they were left to their own. However, I also feel that if I had been forced to go to the Western Frontier, I'd like to think that my survival instincts would just yes, kick in. Yes. I feel like especially like I don't have children, but I know you have a child and I feel like that's your like your survival instincts would kick in if not for yourself, then for your daughter. But yeah, it's just really hard to imagine putting yourself in these women's shoes because thankfully well but some of them did it too because they wanted to i mean take charlie parkhurst she wanted to be a stagecoach driver but the only way she could do that was to basically make everybody think she was a man they did there was one instance where she got sick at some place and the the mother told the son to go change her clothes and bathe her and he comes back and says mom it's a woman she's a girl and they didn't find out until after she died and the doctor basically said this is a woman this isn't a man yeah <laughs> and she's actually had a child 
at some point along the road, she had a child. And I was like, they don't talk about the child. They don't say anything about it. But I guess if you found an actual biography and wanted to read more in depth, you could probably find some more information on her. But I mean, that would be interesting to find out what happened to that child. I mean, it could be just didn't it wasn't born alive or anything, but she, the doctor claimed in the autopsy that she had given birth at some point. Obviously, she didn't have a lot of endowments. <laughs> I say that. Yeah. It's really hard for a woman to hide her figure. And obviously, this woman did not have much of a figure in order to be able to pass herself off as a man the way she did most of the time. Or maybe... Because the picture that they show you is just of a stage coat. And she's she's probably of, the one sitting up on this the box with the rain. There's like but, a picture know. with a wagon and it has various people. So it's not necessarily just a picture of her up close. But yeah, I, I just, these women were astounding. And I think whoever reads this book, I think you will find it interesting. And it's a quick read and... Like I said, it's learning about history, but not in an overwhelming form where it gives you too many details and right, dates the, and stuff. It's just... The author writes, uh, she gives you a little story about the person. And then at the end of each chapter, she gives you her thoughts. Like the fact that this woman, because of what she did, changed whatever in that era. And, uh, you or know... Or how it resonates... To or how it today. resonates to today's time and the fact that because of what she did, we can now do things that maybe we wouldn't be able to do. And she also gives you lists of other reading if you wanted to read more about these women. And she also gives you all of the, the notes on where she got her information from. So it's a very interesting book. It's an interesting book. So it's kind of a recent book because it's not... That was published in 2016. Okay, so it's the not... The library got it in 2016. It's not such so an older book. The author isn't writing from... It, she's not an old person. She's, you know, relatively young. The author's great aunt, Alice Robbins, was born in 1893. And it has a picture of her pheasant hunting with a friend in Oregon. And she said that's what inspired her to write these stories, was that picture of her great aunt with a gun pheasant hunting. <laughs> and that's good, because when we think about the frontier, we think about people like Doc Holliday and all these other prominent male figures. And let me tell you, even the like cities that were built at the time were rough, you know. Um, it does talk about how they had shootouts. They had raids from the indigenous people. They had, uh, you had your natural disasters. There was one town that was basically floated away in a flood. Yes. It, the whole town was just floated away in a flood. All the buildings were mainly wood. They weren't like solid buildings. Sometimes they just had tents. Yeah. They just had canopy tents, which I can't even imagine. And then also a lot of these like towns and cities at the beginning were very lawless. They weren't always attracting the best people. Well, it's like the the, the first story, the one about Nellie Cashman, who would fix meals and stuff. And, and the one guy came in and was complaining about her food. And Doc Holliday was there. 
and basically just pointed his gun at the guy and said, what did you say about the food? And he says, oh, it's the best I've ever tasted. (laughs) Supposedly, she didn't really know anything about what Doc Holliday did. I mean, it was just, it was done on the side because this woman was supplying a service to to everyone. You don't talk down about that in those kinds of places. It was amazing. I, I just found all the stories very interesting. People want to explore. And these women definitely, a lot of them decided on their own. Some of them were put in situations where their husband decided for them. And then, like you said, the husband died. But it always seemed like after the husband died, it was like something grew in them to want to continue living in the frontier. I'm sorry. If my husband tells me, hey, um, we're going to pack up everything and head on to like the Western frontier that's not settled. Yeah, that's not settled. That's the better word, not civilized. But even then, it was settled by indigenous people. But... If somebody told me we're going to go somewhere where it's not settled, and especially that time, I'd be really annoyed with my husband. But if he died, you'd see me back in, like, <laughs> the city that I was in. I just – I can't fathom well, moving to a place well, and not having the support system. Like, But in some cases, these women had nothing to go back to either. That is true. There was nothing to go back to. So if they had gone back – then they would have been governed by society's mores and and stuff and wouldn't have been able to do what they ended up doing. Okay, you bring up a good point. So now I'm like, I don't even know whether I'd go back, Bonnie, because now you've just convinced <laughs> me that maybe the best thing is for me to stay in the Western frontier. Yeah, I mean, that is the one thing I think that would probably have spurred me on was when somebody tells me, no, you can't do that. I'm like, watch me. <laughs> you know, you are very right. I feel the same way. I also just like my freedom. You know, I like being able to do what I want to do without the say of a male figure. I mean, I'm married, but that's not to say my husband tells me what to do all the time. <laughs> you yeah. know, I like to think I would have been able to to make it, but I honestly can't tell you for sure if I could have. <laughs> You know, it's just... Well, also a lot... There's just so many factors that you... There's some factors that you can, like, are in your hands. And others are just, like, unexpected. Like, what if you died in that flood that happened? The sicknesses that were, like, rampant. Who was it? Was it Mother Jones who ended up losing? Yeah. Mother Jones ended up losing, like, her children and her husband to sickness. And she was the only one to survive. Like, there's so many factors. And when you start contemplating all the factors or all the dangers. Right. And you see these women rise up to all those dangers. It's pretty amazing. Once again, would I do it? If I had to, I think I'd be good at it. I think I would overcome. Would I want to? No. I like a shower. I like to shower daily. (laughs) Okay, like, I'm yes, sorry. Yes, I like my flush toilet. Sorry. I don't know about sleeping on the floor with, like, bugs and stuff or calling a canopy tent my home. Like, that's not a home for me. Yeah. I'm sure these women are like, you are so spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> they would have looked at us today and gone, oh, my heavens. We have to teach them a thing or two. <laughs> sorry, ladies. 
Sorry. We do feel like we could possibly like survive, but would we want to be in these footsteps? No, I wouldn't. No, I'm, I'm glad that they did what they did to open doors for us now that where I am living, but I'm glad they did it and I didn't have to. (laughs) So with that, (laughs) we are going to end this episode. Our next actual lit chat in person is the 14th, I believe, I believe so, Thursday at one o'clock. So anybody who wants to join us, we will be talking about this book in person at our lit chat. And then for the next month, it's a read what you want to read. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us. Um, until we meet again, I'm PJ. And I'm Bonnie. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.